And welcome back to the square. Uh, we are pouring one out, Jim, for the legend. For our boy, uh, New York's own Larry King. Larry King, the man of many, many marriages, and also just just that sweet, sweet dulcet tones on the on the news. So we are gonna aspire to be legends today uh, in our own right. Mm-hmm. And with us, we have uh, a Buffalo legend. I mean, forget Buffalo. I think he's a just an honest to god news legend himself <laughs> in his own right. But certainly a Buffalo legend. We have Mr. Jeff Kelly of the Investigative Post. Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm good. That's an absurd introduction, but I but I thank you for it anyway. So, uh, yeah, um, what's going on this week, Ree? Jim, what isn't going on? But I'll start here for you because I know this is the thing that you're just chomping at the bit. I love it. We'll be talking about campaign financials. We'll be talking about Stefan Mahailu, of course. But, Jim, the most important thing I know on your mind is the Bonaventure Bonnie St. Bonaventure Bonnie's man seven and one right now? Uh, they uh, they had a big comeback this week. They hosted VCU. They were down fifteen at halftime. Outscored them forty five to fourteen in the second half to win by sixteen. They're currently projected to be a twelve seed in the tournament. Um, they're first place of the A ten. It's a it's a good good year to be a Bonnie right now. Jim, would you rather have, because dear listener, as of the time of this recording, the Buffalo Bills have not yet hopefully beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, if you're if you're sad about it, we're sad about it. Or if you're happy with joy, so are we. But Jim, would you rather have the Bonnies? I, I don't want to say make the tournament, but let's say let's say make the NCAA tournament this year or have the Bills beat the Chiefs this weekend. Oh, definitely beat the Chiefs. I mean, making the tournament is nice, but like if you were like Bonnie's final four versus Bills being the Chiefs, now that would be a discussion that I have to be. I might have. That would, that would give you pause, would it? Yeah, that, that, that might give me pause. Get his ass, Jeff. <laughs> you know, I mean, because just beating the Chiefs, like again, like if, if you said Bills win the Super Bowl, I think I take that over even Bonnie's being national champions, pretty easily. But just making the, just beating, just winning the AFC Championship versus the Final Four, uh, I mean, I expect that the Bills will be good for a couple of years now. They've got the foundation, you know, where they've got a lot of young players and they've got a lot of good players. They'll be good for a couple of years. Bonaventure is like Brigadoon, where they come around like once every twenty five years when they're good. So I got to get it in when I get it. You'll be pleased to know that a St. Bonaventure grad just started at Investigative Post oh, two nice. weeks ago at the dawn of the new year. Late, young Lane Dowdle. Shout outs to Lane. Yep. Well, we are not a sports podcast, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about our wheelhouse, Jim. What else we got going on around the square here? Well, we we have uh, an, another official candidate, or at least our. Yeah, our, our second official candidate for mayor on the or for sheriff, I mean, on the Democratic side, with Brian Gould. You had uh, Rick Loricella already announce, um, although as we'll get into the financials, he hasn't done anything yet. Um, but Brian Gould, uh, former Cheektowaga police, uh, announced today that he is running for sheriff uh, on the Democratic line. Yeah, my understanding, reading the Buffalo News article, because I'm not familiar uh, with with Brian Gould, but my understanding is is he kind of Zellner's guy that he is the uh, 
lack of a better term, anointed one for this? Uh, I don't know if he's the anointed one. I mean, Bernie Tolbert's name is still out there, and Bernie's still, well, I mean, he was he was much closer than expected last time. So he's a legitimate threat out there, um, and he can raise some money. He raised money when he ran for mayor. He raised money last time when he ran for sheriff. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that necessarily, if, if Bernie says he's in, I don't know that Gould is necessarily the anointed one, um, but it seems like he's got a leg up on everybody right now at least for the Democratic nomination. Bernie is, is getting up there in years, too. I mean, he's, Yeah, Bernie's he's a, getting older now, too. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's very fit and capable, but he is, he is a little bit older. He may not be uh, as sanguine as he was mm-hmm. uh, four years ago. Right. So That field is getting so packed, full of, of names getting thrown out there left and right. Yeah, the I mean, sheriff's uh, race. Yeah, the sheriff's. I mean, it's a big deal. Um, sheriff's race is something that would be watched on like a national level because of the implications for local um, uh, criminal justice reform that might might happen because of it. Um, whereas something like controller, nobody gives a shit. You know, nobody gives a shit in Erie County generally for controller, let alone outside of Erie County. Um, but, you know, you'll get people who will pay attention to sheriff's races because there is just like D.A., there's implication for criminal justice reform. Which is which is also why it invites uh, I'm I'm not going to use the word I was just about to use folks like uh, Steve Filano. Yes. Right. <laughs> Who, who believes that his law enforcement priority is to protect us from Andrew Cuomo? <laughs> oh, somebody man. needs to, Jeff. That's so if he gains traction, that will draw national attention too. Oh yeah, that that would definitely draw uh, attention if he can actually gain some traction. And, and you know, could you imagine if you know when the GOP does their first round of uh, polling, internal polling for the primary, if Falano is like in the lead or even close? They'll, they'll, if he, if he cracks double digits. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's I mean, that's even that's close. Like if he's at 10 percent, they'll lose their goddamn minds about it. Yeah, it'll be amazing to watch. Oh, boy. Well, we'll, we'll, keep... we'll see how well Carl Smith can steer that ship then. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, in other news, guys, in, in, you know, you give an inch and they try to take a mile news here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the current movement the New York State Restaurant Association to push back on the 10 p.m. curfew when we just got restaurants reopened. Uh, like I said last week about this is that like my fear is just like over the summer when restaurants reopened, people thought that because it was allowed that it must be okay, that it's safe to do. And if the this push is successful in the courts to get rid of the 10 p.m. curfew and we go back to 4 a.m., people will definitely go out until 4 a.m. and they'll do it, and a lot of them will do it thinking that it's safe to do. Yeah, I, I'm i of two minds about this because, like, clearly <laughs> the steps that have been taken or that have been not been taken to keep these various businesses afloat is just, like, they, they get to this point where they just basically kind of have to reopen to have any sort of semblance of economic viability in the lack of a cohesive, you know, coherent plan to keep them fucking running. But we are in the middle of a pandemic. We we're here. We're still here. It hasn't gone away. I know people are getting vaccinated, not here as much, but 
like it's still happening. Hopefully it'll roll out sooner rather than later, but my God, it's still going on and people are, it's, it might be worse than right. It's worse than last year when we shut everything down. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's worse than it was last year at this point or at any given point that you have in the last year. And, um, people are like, well, let's reopen the bars. Let's just do it. I mean, to be fair to me, that's usually when I run into Jeff is around like 11 o'clock at founding fathers. <laughs> Wait, guys, I thought COVID was over after Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. After was... once, yeah. Once Biden got inaugurated, it, yeah, it kept over, getting, right? it kept getting pushed over on, uh, on eight chan. Oh, it was once Biden got elected. And then once he got inaugurated, it was just going to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, Happy again, like I, I'm happy that the, there's a lot of these these businesses that are still around to open. Uh, there's a few places that have not reopened since the start of or since the since the last shutdown. I'm thinking hardware on Allen Street has not reopened. They mm-hmm. said they wouldn't reopen until they're at full capacity. I know there's a couple other restaurants that are in the same boat um, in in the area. So I'm happy that they're around to be able to reopen, but. Yeah, you're right, Jim. I think that if we get to a point where people get the messaging that bars and restaurants can be open till all hours of the night, that it's safe to do a lot of other things, frankly. Right. Look, you know, like you know what's like the worst thing that could possibly happen is like say like this week the, the courts hear this and decide that they're going to push and say, all right, the 10 p.m. curfew is totally arbitrary. Um, you can be open until regular closing time. And the Bills also win the a- win the AFC Championship game, which means that people will be out drinking like crazy for the Bills Super Bowl. I can't even. It's, the I good thing is the, the good thing is that the parade will be sparsely attended because everybody will have COVID. <laughs> that won't keep, that won't keep people at home. <laughs> no, no, they won't keep them at home. No, they'll be doing what, like I said, is that they'll be helping us pack up because, like, once the Bills have a Super Bowl parade, nobody needs to live in Buffalo anymore. We can all pack up and move to Charlotte that's with it, our family. It, that's what I've been waiting for. Yeah, that's it. That's what's keeping you around, Rye. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Uh, speaking of speaking of drinking, though, what about the open container law, Rhee? Jim, I hear there is a movement uh, now. Who knows how organic this is, but there is a movement. Uh, what was it? Some article. Ryan, so someone wrote an open letter to the Common Con- Buffalo Common Council. Okay, about you know repealing or whatever, modifying the. the I guess it's 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 City Code sixty nine. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That that was that was a that movement was started by a fellow named Aiden Ryan. Yeah, right, fact. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Aiden Ryan uh, adopted this as a cause, and he, he is bound to see it through. Well, I, ho- I hope he does. Yeah, what do you think about this, Jeff, the, the open container? I mean, Orchard Park doesn't have an open container law because they have the stadium there. Uh, and I am uh, I am dialing into this podcast from from uh, East Aurora, which also doesn't have an open yeah. container law. Uh, yeah, frankly, honestly, I, I just couldn't give a damn. <laughs> One way, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, that's, kind of, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I just assume that with open container laws, like so many other laws – that people of color get probably picked up for it more often than uh, white people. So I'm Absolutely. sure it's, I'm sure it's discriminatory. Absolutely. Um, and, that, and that's, and that's Aiden's principal argument is that it is used as uh, in nearly the same way as the checkpoints used to be used. It's a way to pull over people of color and see and poor people and see if there's anything else to nick them for. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So, I mean, look, I'll, and and that that's a very valid point. But Buffalo, in our desire to be, you know, we want to we want to bring people here. We want to be a destination. Buffalo's name is in the news clearly with the Bills and a lot of other things. We should lean into things like that. Where our bars are open till four a.m. Let's repeal the open container laws. Party city, baby. Party city. All right, Vegas of the East. That's right. New York is going to have, hopefully, if if Andrew Cuomo comes through, is going to have legalized marijuana and sports betting. And sports betting. We could be a destination here, you know, even if it's just like a midway point to the Falls or Canada or whatever. You come to Buffalo once you know we're all vaccinated, we can we can do it properly. Party time. See, I don't even know so much if it's like a destination for like the random individual, like the uh, average adult. But I tell you right now, if I was Canisius College, I would let I wouldn't put it as part of my official paperwork (laughs) advertising when I was when everybody took the uh, PSAT and I sent out my paperwork to all these people to try to attract them to my school. But somehow I would let them know, by the way, we have legal weed open container and you can drink at bars until 4 (laughs) a.m. I, something in the brochure some photographs right yeah <laughs> just listen to this testimonial this you know, can, can yeah. you just college story core maybe maybe instead of uh las vegas east it could be new amsterdam <laughs> yeah. yeah uh i think i think i think oregon's <laughs> way ahead of this oh is it oh yeah yeah you're right you're new amsterdam uh-huh. rad we could be the new amsterdam of the east of the east yeah mm-hmm. of the east so yes that would be uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. I I don't actually have a real opinion on it. I, I other than not targeting people of color and making their lives easier. If, they, if 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 that's the only side effect of it, then please go for it. That's cool. But that's all I got on the open containers. Yeah. So, Jim, as we sort of pivot towards our campaign finance discussion, let's talk about uh, the big beef, Jeff. I know you're tuned into uh the the twitter and social media feud of our uh our erie county executive and our comptroller i i can one tune out of it if you can i'd like instructions i'd like a youtube uh ins, you know tutorial on how to tune out of it it's, it's so it's 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 so crazy to me right now. Like, it, it, I mean, this week the flashpoint was the the Channel Seven the WKPW story about how Stefan only shows up to work five days a month on average over the last year, or or the year that was in question that they it wasn't the less of last year because but they did have like six months of pre COVID information in there. Um, they did, yeah, it was six months on either side, I believe. <laughs> right, right, and. And Stefan's response was like, interesting to me because, like, if he just said, I work remotely, everybody would have been like, okay. Like, right. hard to argue. He's the CFO. You would think he'd be in the office more often, but as I've pointed out on this podcast, he's proud to not have a computer on his desk. Uh, I would think that controller might need Excel occasionally, but yeah. what do I know? <laughs> Maybe. I think, I, think, I, think, I think it's good for the county if Stefan stays far away from Excel. <laughs> I, think, I think he's got professional staff for that, or I hope so, and, you know. I, I, I mean, it's probably good for the county that he stays as far away from the Wrath Building as he currently does, and he just spends all of his days at Zip's Restaurant out in Holland. <laughs> right. um, but, 
Uh, no, no, Stefan's response was not to say, oh, I work remote, which would have been hard to argue and people would, would have accepted as a valid answer. No, his response was to come. I'm sure he didn't do it himself. Or maybe he did. He's, he's a psycho. Um, I'm sure he had staff spending all day helping him combing through security camera footage from the Wrath building to show people opening the door and other people walking in without using their swipe cards. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> so you, you did uh, it. Uh, uh, so we've got what's clearly a, a security issue at the Wrath building. So way to get everybody at the Wrath building probably got shit on by the county executive the next day and made sure they Certainly their supervisors are probably like, um, hey, I gotta let you up for that. Right, yeah. You know, <laughs> right, yeah. You can grieve it if you'd like, but I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then doesn't it require a second swipe to get into Well that's the other the, thing is like, yeah. you know, I worked for the county for a little over four years. I worked for social services. I didn't work in the Rath building, I worked down the street. Uh my badge worked at the Rath building. I could swipe in to get in on the first floor and you know, and that was no problem. But then you know, I needed special permission on mine, but I had to swipe in when I got to social services on like the 10th floor anyways. So when he's going up to the 12th floor for the controller's office, even if somebody lets him in downstairs, he still has to swipe to get into the offices upstairs anyways. Mm-hmm. At some point, he'd have to use his badge is what I'm saying. Yep. More often than five days a month. Yeah. Well, and, and Jim, can you talk, can you inform the listeners about what we saw on Twitter then this past week of what appears to be, I don't even, I don't want to say doctored camera footage, but strange camera footage that Stefan presented as evidence that he was coming and going from his office. I, I, I'm still not over the fact that like he's saying that he, people are just letting him in, that 25 days or whatever, how many days a month, he just happens to fucking hit it at the right time that somebody's there to let him in. (laughs) And and the other thing is, like, people are willing to, like, oh, it's Steph on my highway, I better let him in. But the other people, people see the county executive, they're like, well, fuck him, he can swipe in. (laughs) (laughs) They see Mark pulling cards, like, struggling with his cards. They see Mark pulling cards and they, like, close the door behind themselves. (laughs) That fucker can swipe in. Oh, my God. Well, what's with... Okay, so, I mean, we know, Jeff, that Stefan is clearly prone to have this persecution complex, but what the hell is the deal with him claiming that Poland Cars has said that he was at the insurrection in Washington, D.C.? Well, you know, he... he, he This is sort of classic, right? So he... So he tweets out this letter that Poland Cars and April Baskin, chair of the legislature signs sent to him saying, hey, people are saying, they're wondering, you know, you've hung out with some of these people who did go, uh, some people who are sympathetic to those who did go. You know the guy who was arrested, Pete Harding. You know, you've been with him. Why won't you just say, did you go? Nobody, people are asking and you're not responding. And so Stefan tweets this out and says, He's accusing me of having been there and sacking yeah. the Capitol. And you're like, but the, that's not really what the letter says. Right. It's not exactly what, maybe it is kind of an accusation, kind of, sort of an accusation, but it's not literally. It's literally like saying, answer the question. Just 
answer the question so that we can move on, mm-hmm. you know. Plus, you know, he didn't say this in the letter, that Baskin and Polonkars didn't say this in the letter, that the short video that uh, that he posted, Mahalo posted the day of condemning the violence, it just looked a little green screeny, right? <laughs> right. It just... I don't think it is. I think he was there in his office. That painting that's there is like a painting that he has in his office. Um, I know because I looked it up, but uh, but it just looked kind of green screeny. I don't know. I, and then Stefan's response to this afterwards is is like even more insane. Where he's like, the county executive is, is obsessed with me. You're the one who had people follow him to the fucking Northtown uh, ice rink to, to <laughs> yeah. get him on camera. That you know he's uh, he's skating and shit like that, and he, he's the one who's obsessed with you. Well, the thing is, what I what I don't understand is is why he's troubling himself with this. By all accounts, he's not running for re-election. Right. He's never going to be able to run for for Erie County Executive. That. That ship, if it was ever even on his horizon, has sailed, has turned around and gone halfway around the world. The local Republican Party leadership wants nothing to do with him. He can run for Hamburg Town Supervisor if that's what he wants to do. But picking a fight with polling cars or with anyone, it doesn't serve him well politically, I don't think. Uh, you know, Hamburg kind of broke Trump, so maybe they like that sort of thing down there. But... Uh, but it goes a little far. You know, at some point you got to ask yourself, this is funny and all, but do I really want this guy making sure my, my roads are plowed? Because he seems a little like preoccupied with stuff that is not governance. Right. Well, we have a, we have a theory here that, that really, really expressed is that Stefan doesn't care about supervisor of Hamburg either. He just wants a media job again. That's why he's on Tucker Carlson every every other week and he wants a media job where he can just be a talking head where he can show up five fucking days a, a month um, and yeah. get, and get paid. And you know, he, he wants to be on OAN or some nonsense. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. You think TV, huh? And not, he's not like one of the, the many just waiting for Bowerly to finally, uh, no, <laughs> no, he's open the, up the spot. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, I think Stefan has greater aspirations than, uh, than taking over for Bowerly. Well, in in a little bit of support for my theory, because again, we could pretty clearly see that anything resembling governance from Stefan is is well beyond you know we're we're beyond that point. But did you see his uh, his attempt at like the meme war guys, where he tweeted himself dressed up as the Q shaman guy, and that there was uh, the Bernie Sanders meme. So it was a picture of him like photoshopped in with like the weird headdress guy from the insurrection. And then also Bernie Sanders was in the background of it. And uh, some very fucking jumbled looking meme that Stefan's trying to put out there. I don't really know. Well, I mean, his brain is just mush. So there's, it doesn't make (laughs) sense that, that he tries to meme something out and it makes no sense. And that, and then he was like, Hey, let me like the identified, the main identifier of like the worst thing that's happened actively for towards the u.s democracy in in a while which is saying quite a bit which was this insurrection and the main figure that everybody knows is this shaman let me put my face on his body (laughs) i i think stefan just wanted to lose the weight 
<laughs> oh. Yeah, no, I, f- I found the I found the post. So uh, his tweet here: Breaking news: Mark Polancaro's obtained exclusive security footage from the Capitol. Based on his inquisitive investigative skills and this photo, the Erie County Executive presented photographic evidence. I was in D.C. January sixth. I remember how calm that old guy behind me was, and it's it's Bernie Sanders with the crossed hands and the mittens, and you know. Yeah, Jim, to your point, the shirtless guy who's yeah. pretty buff compared to our current controller's <laughs> physique. So, yeah, not not dank at all, Stefan. Uh, t- terrible meme. Get out. Yeah. Not not good. So, let's, let's let's transition into campaign finance then now. Speaking of Stefan and, and the controller's race. Uh, we're going to I'm still I still have Stefan under controller because he hasn't announced one way or the other and no Republicans have announced outside of him. So, um, I mean, you know, I know, Jeff, you and uh, Ken talked about this a little bit on your podcast yeah. earlier this week. Yeah, but Stefan, he's down to like $1,700, $1,750 in his campaign account. He only had one contribution from the Buffalo PBA during the period. It was a $1,000 PBA. And he spent $5,000 on legal fees. Yeah, that, that $5,000 on legal fees had to do with some shenanigans in his uh very unsuccessful attempt at running for the, the 27th congressional, the congressional district. Rest, yeah. He basically uh, was accused of washing money from his state controller account or for his, from his New York state account for Erie County controller into the uh, congressional account, which is a no, no, you can't do that uh, for lots of arcane reasons. The main, the, the main one being corporations can give, to New York State candidates, they can't give to federal candidates. Right. So you just can't mix that money. So he got he got sued by some Democratic operatives who wanted to embarrass him. The lawsuit didn't go anywhere, but you know he had to spend five thousand dollars of campaign money, money people gave him ostensibly to run for election, right? To defend himself against this sh- chicanery. And then the other main expense that which is and this has been a stat a. Uh, 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 main expense for Stefan since he first opened up the campaign account is the guy pays somewhere between two to $300 a month to Verizon wireless for his campaign. cell phones. Yeah, you've got to have several cell phones going. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be several cell phones. I mean, it's gotta be him, Fume, Lynn Dixon, a couple others going, um, not Fume. Remember Fume has jumped ship. He's gone to work right. for the legislature. Right. Right. right, uh, right, right. I, I think because he didn't want to have, Frankly, I don't think he wanted to have much to do with Stefan anymore. Stefan anymore. Um, no, uh, but I mean, uh, it, it's uh, clearly, I mean, that's a lot of cell phone usage. So, I mean, it's clearly using cell phones. And uh, obviously, I would assume that these people are probably using these cell phones for personal use too. That's a no-no, but it's tough to say. If they're using them for campaign, even like, 10% of the time, then they're going to say, oh, I'm using this campaign all the time and nobody's going to be able to question it. I mean, it's it's one of those gray areas that you can get away with with state and local money that the federal... The New York State campaign finance, finance, Jim, anything goes. Right. I, I, I Well, we're going to get to some more anything goes. I mean, <laughs> uh, but no, it's it, you're right. It, it, uh, it's, you know, there's the, the analogy that I've seen before as far as like, uh, whereas federal money is very strictly monitored... Um, State, local money, New York State campaign finance, it's like money in a drawer in a desk. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and you open the drawer, it shuffles around, and you do whatever you want with it. So uh, other for controller, we do have an official candidate for the Democrats, and that's Hardwick. Uh, he had 15-3 uh, as of the January 2020 filing. He raised up a little over 2K since he announced in January. Um, yeah. which, which isn't which isn't lighting the world on fire uh, in terms of announcements, but he's, he's, but he's also, not going to have a primary, and right. he, and he uh, and he's going to have whatever resources he needs early will come from from uh, from headquarters, and right. he'll you know he'll raise money as he needs it later. He's the, on in the controllers race. The Democrats seem to have like. To got their, they have their house in order in the way that the the Republicans uh, are more likely to in the sheriff's race. Oh, contraire, Jeff. <laughs> oh, contraire. See, we oh, have a, we we have a little segment on the show we like to call Nate Watch. <laughs> oh God! And we keep our eyes on the prize of the former congressional candidate of the twenty seventh district, and in fact. Uh, Nate has sent out some signals that he may be uh, be involved in Democratic primary. Isn't that right, Jim? Yeah, um, you know he tweeted out last week. Um, got work to do in a picture of three envelopes with return addresses for PACs. Um, all all I the, saw those. I saw those. Yeah. Um, I checked it out. There's no filing for any of those PACs. <laughs> well, no, there's no filing, but the, but he did register three. He, they're re- they're registered. They are they are registered, but they're not. They're, they, there was no filing in, in January for anything. But they yeah, are, they are registered. Yeah, they're they and they have don't they have funny names? Oh, Daredevil, Daredevil, Rain, and, and Good, Good Trouble. Trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh uh, man! It, so <laughs> I've heard rumors that McMurray's thinking about primarying Hardwick for controller. Huh? Well, that sounds about right. Jeff, so McMurray really needs to raise money because, as we said, you can't go back and forth with federal money to the state. I don't even I didn't even check to see how much federal money he had left, if anything. But you can't go back and forth. Um, As of July 2016, which was the last filing he did for his town supervisor account, he had zeroed it out. So that account was closed and inactive. Um, So he'd have to raise money all brand new. Um, but I, yeah, I have heard from a couple different people that they, they, they worry that McMurray is going to primary Hardwick. I think that's fine. Hardwick would crush him. And if there is a mayoral primary to bring out people in Buffalo, they're not going to be, you know, we talk about on the show and I talked about this last week too, on the show, like we talk about the, and cover McMurray, like he had this big swath of Erie <laughs> County for the congressional race. But he didn't. He had a small bit of Erie County. It's mostly right. Glow and Monroe that is actually in that district. Um, so you know, who if compared if you ask people in the city of Buffalo, and obviously definitely like in Hardwick's district, but even in the town of Hamburg or the town of Chitawaga, um, and you did an ID versus McMurray versus Hardwick. While McMurray was on television, Hardwick's been around for a long time. And he's had more likely an impact on these people's lives than McMurray ever had. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. And I think uh, there's a lot of different things to say about Nate McMurray, positive and negative. 
Uh, he's certainly a really smart guy, but I will say that he has made a great number of enemies he didn't need to make inside the Democratic Party. Um, that's not necessarily like a bad thing. Some people make enemies in the Democratic Party because those enemies need to be made. Like, you know, you need to stand up to people who are who are whatever. Right. But, uh, but I think uh, Nate's picked some fights that didn't make any sense. Um, so I, I think he'd have a really hard time gathering support for that race. He galvanized a lot of excitement running for Congress in a in a race in a district whose Democrats were thirsty for somebody. Right. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, um, but even then he couldn't get comptroller, as you say, nobody really cares. Right. Yeah. You know, no, nobody gives a shit. Nobody knows what you do. So nobody gives a shit. Well, and Jeff, you might have a serial job. You, you might have answered my question, but how much of this is a play by Nate to maybe try to get a job? Oh, you know what? I, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't put too much on that because Nate McMurray probably doesn't, obviously he doesn't have the job he had, but he, uh, I think he's doing just fine and could get another job pretty easy if he wanted it. I think he wants to stay relevant and involved in local politics. I think he'd like to change the way things work. I don't know, but, but I don't know. It's, it's a funny race for him to choose if that's what he's doing. It is. I mean, because like, where I mean, he, I guess it could be less relevant. It could be clerk. Yeah. You know? well, yeah well, I mean, well, we, you, Mickey's. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him in two years. I mean, I, Mickey. I don't know him. Yeah. Don't, don't know him. Um, no. And when I say you know, not not to speak on his finance or anything, that's not what I mean. Uh, I guess when I say get a job, to your point of being relevant in the Democratic Party or being relevant in. Like, like being involved in the apparatus somehow. Do you think that's just completely out of the, the question for Nate that he's ever going to be? Part? I don't you know, that's too absolute. But do you think it, we're, what we're seeing now, could he be part of the Democratic Party apparatus in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, there's a race out there for him to win. He won. He was a Grand Island town supervisor. He already had won one. He came remarkably close to winning the, con the 27th congressional seat, which yeah. is, you know, I don't care if you're running against a convicted felon. That's, that doesn't mean you should win, not in the 27th as a Democrat. Right. You know, I think he did incredibly well to get that close. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's never going to, uh, he's never going to achieve office through, uh, with the help of, Democratic headquarters because he can't he just won't play well with them right and they he, won't play well with him right that's they, fine they, you they don't, don't have play to nice you, together. Can, you can win a seat as an outsider quote unquote right well speaking of outsiders but I, I don't think Gary kind of controller is it I'm going to put my my plank in the water barrel right now and say he's not going to do that <laughs> okay uh speaking of outsiders let's talk about sheriff's race and I want to talk about my favorite candidate for sheriff is Stephen Falano. Oh yeah. Uh, his. Did you see the name of his campaign account, Jeff? Falano wins. Falano wins. <laughs> well, I, I, you know. I guess he's got uh, he's got confidence. He did raise over eleven hundred dollars uh, in donations, which was more than I would have thought he would have raised. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then he did have 
$900 on expenditures on just nonsense. Like $200 on literature, which is, like, that's fine, I guess. I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen what his literature looks like, but $200 on literature is pretty cheap. $300 on an attorney. I don't know what he needed an attorney for already. No, I don't know. Did he need, like... Did he pay an attorney $300 to create Fulano wins? I don't know. Um, And then he spent $180 on the rental fee at the hotel for his announcement uh, session, which is crazy to me. That's literally the first time I've ever heard of anybody paying to announce that they were running for office. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I think, think like, especially if you're – if your budget is about $1,100 for your campaign, maybe maybe you just borrow a podium from someone and set up on some steps somewhere, anywhere. You know, right, yeah, yeah, I mean... Get out of there quick before, like, <laughs> before security comes out. It, it makes me think of like Paul Fallon campaigns where like he would just announce without a podium on, because he was going to spend no money on the campaign for Congress uh, back in the day. Yeah. Um, like, just, just pick City Hall or the Sheriff's Office or the holding center steps or whatever, someplace that's public so that they're not going to kick you out and you can announce that you're going to run. You don't even need a goddamn podium, Stephen Falano. You can just, you can just do it without it. Yeah. But no, he had to spend almost $200 on, uh, out of his 1100 uh, on a hotel rental. That's why I love going like these episodes where we do the deep dive into the financials because there's so many people, you know, myself included on a certain level, who might not understand like how a lot of this campaign stuff works, how a lot of this campaign finance stuff works. And it's pretty clear that the people running also don't understand <laughs> what the fuck is going on or what to do. So it's just amazing to see hotel expenditure, $180 when yes, you could just go outside <laughs> with a podium yeah. and say, I'm running for sheriff. And, and probably when you're announcing for sheriff during a pandemic, probably safer to do so than, than to have everybody inside at a hotel. True. Good point. Uh, not that that matters to Stephen Falano and his campaign of keeping everybody safe from Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that he feels that COVID is a hoax. So. <laughs> uh, now, speaking about real candidates for sheriff, uh, John Garcia had $135,000 on hand at, at the January filing. I know. Fast start, right? Right. I mean, uh, I mean, I understand that that includes the $50,000 in personal loans, but you know who it, it reminds me of? Um, and you know, full disclosure, I helped out on this campaign. I was the treasurer for it, but it reminds me of when Jim Barnese ran for county court and, um, he also loaned himself $50,000, but we raised something like $65,000 at two events, uh, before the January filing came out so that he could have over a hundred thousand dollars and just scare everyone away. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, clearly that's what, uh, that's what, uh, uh, Garcia wants to do, and he did the same thing, right? He raised like eighty-five thousand dollars, loaned himself fifty. That puts him just head and shoulders above the other the others on the Republican side. Karen Healy Case has about thirty grand, which she lent herself like twenty-five or something like that. 20, uh, twenty-eight, uh, twenty-eight of her twenty-nine, she lent herself. Twenty-eight is that? Oh, that's right. There's a twenty-five thousand loan and a three thousand dollar loan, right? Different addresses. Did you notice? Yeah, that? I, I did. I, I did. Uh, and one of the one of those houses, she and her husband, Judge Case, sold this past summer. There's probably a perfectly reasonable explanation for that, <laughs> but I just, I, I can't help it. Things like that jump out at me. Like you're loaning yourself money from a 
a house that you don't own anymore. Maybe it's just old checks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I I don't know, but uh, yes. Uh I did notice that that she was using multiple addresses. Um and she wouldn't be the first politician to have multiple addresses and use multiple addresses during a, a campaign. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least both of them were in the district. That's how. That's a good start, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, and then so Garcia's got up to 135, and like I said, um, uh, and like you said, I, I think he's just trying to scare people away so that he can get the nomination himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, and then there's Ted Donato. I don't know much about him, but he has a committee at least. I don't think he, I don't, last time I checked, he hadn't filed. Yeah. He had not filed either. The last time I checked, I think it, uh, uh, there wasn't even a no activity statement. It was just no filing report. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did check out uh, the outgoing sheriff because, you know, um, we're being that's told always, that's always fascinating what they do with their money, how much they have. Uh, a, he's only got, Twenty five fifty left. Is that all? That's all. That's that's what he's down to. Although that certainly buys you a town of supervisor in, in Wales. Uh, that that buys you a supervisor seat in Wales. It does, and it buys you about five hundred breakfasts at Kips. It, it does buy you a <laughs> lot of breakfasts at Kips. Uh, his expenditures, like Stefan, this time were mostly Verizon Wireless. Yeah. Um, so he was uh, he was spending like two to three hundred dollars a month at, at Verizon as well. Um, he didn't have any other like real notable expenditures that I thought really jumped out at me. Um, you know, food here, whatever, but you know, um, nothing that was really jumping me out, but like, again, the, the, the campaign cell phone stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. which the campaign cell phone stuff always jumps out at me. John Garcia, by the way, uh, his expenditures, every single one of them was for PayPal and, you Jeff, you know that like I get I get all worked up whenever does, people do unitemized deductions or unitemized expenditures because yes, technically anything forty nine ninety nine and under can be unitemized, but you should probably itemize more of your expenditures. Well, they itemized every single PayPal deduction individually, even if there was yeah. multiple ones on the same day. They itemized each one individually, and that that made I liked it. It made, it made my little uh, treasurer heart sing a little bit. They're singing the song of my people by doing each and one individually. I actually thought, you know what? They probably could have just done one per day and lumped them all together. But um, that they did each one individually shows that they're trying to do it the right way. What, what do you and pay- it probably shows, you know what it also shows? It also shows, because they probably get some kind of report from PayPal. It shows that they know how to export data from one database to another easily. It means that they are like, they're just they just have that level of capability. Right. That probably is why it's appears that way. Yeah. Because we just imported the data from one thing to another. And I'm like, hey, good, you've got a little facility with <laughs> Right. You've you've got a moderate amount of competency. Yeah. I think that's great. I've seen that much more often lately, in fact, that that, well, uh, especially, that those kind of charges especially are, especially bank fees, PayPal, yeah. uh, Act Blue. Uh, those charges it, by themselves tend to show up each one individually for no matter what. E- e- even my boy Tim Kennedy does that. Hey, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Because I, I don't actually know the answer to this. So, uh, you know, there, so there's an extra candidate in the mayor of Buffalo race now with Candace uh, 
uh, I got it right here in front of me. Um, Lucandus Durham, who works for the mayor, in fact, uh, which is not at all suspicious. That doesn't suggest that she's like a, a plant right? Um, to distract from India Walton. But she, um, so she has, she's soliciting campaign donations through Act Blue. She's got an Act Blue like link on her website, but she doesn't have a campaign finance committee registered with New York State. Hmm. Can you start an Act Blue account without a committee to send the money to? I I don't know. I mean, I I guess you can. I mean, she's doing it, right? Uh, yeah. So I guess that's the answer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess, <laughs> that's a hell of a grift, man. I, yeah. I guess. I guess you can, <laughs> Jeff. I got an idea for a, a business venture for you and I. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. Let's let's take this off the air, shall we? <laughs> um, no, I mean that's. I mean, yeah. You, you before you start raising any money, you are supposed to file to make the committee before yeah. you before you raise a, a single nickel, before you you start doing anything. You're supposed to get that get your uh, EIN and file to create the committee and get your treasurer in line and all that stuff. Yeah. Which is, look, I know that pretty much every single campaign, especially like the town and village campaigns when they're doing them, once somebody announces they're going to run, somebody gives them a check right away. And so they always have to like basically backdate or like, you know, fudge the dates on their donations that none of them show up until after they started the campaign account. Right. Um, I get Which that. I would, I would, I would mention again, New York state safest place in the world to go ahead and fudge your numbers. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They'll help you do it. That's right. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Uh, and then on the democratic side, um, how's my, how's my boy Bernie, Bernie do I know we talked about him a little bit earlier Jim well Bernie Bernie has sixteen dollars left from his last sheriff's race 16 16 fifteen dollars and seventy cents well I guess that's a start yeah once again I just don't think Bernie Tolbert's gonna gonna make that right no, I, th- I, I think uh, I don't think, I think so. he, he I, took a shot I don't think so either um you know, one of the reasons why is it you know, the last sheriff's race while he ran a a surprisingly competitive race he loaned himself a great deal of money and he ended up having to mm-hmm. forgive him forgive a large amount of those loans which means he ended up really just out of pocket giving his campaign like 30 grand yeah that's a good point that's a good observation i don't think he wants to keep doing that and 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 there's every likelihood that the same thing could happen you know when he ran for mayor he was promised a lot of financial support from a handful of people who really disliked Byron Brown. And they met, they provided about half the support that they promised yeah. him. So, you know, I'm sure he's got, when it comes to the cost of running a campaign, he's got to be pretty leery. Again, it's he's physically and mentally fit, but he's getting up there in years. Maybe he doesn't want to commit to this. And, you know, running for county sheriff in Erie County is a tough road to hoe for a Democrat, for an African-American who's based in the city, because it's just the hurdles are huge. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's not a guaranteed win. 
Right. Yeah. No, it's it's not. And, you know, going out to those chicken dinners in Marilla is not an exciting proposition for Bernie Tolbert. Not it. I can't imagine it. Not, is. I not can't a, imagine it. Is. Not with the things, you know, that he's got a, going against him out in Marilla, anyways. And then at his age, and he'd probably rather just watch the Bills game and spend time with his grandkids at this point. What have, you, what have you heard about Dennis Richards? I haven't heard hardly anything, and he did not have anything filed. He didn't have anything filed. His name just keeps floating out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I keep seeing or hearing the name, but you know, look, until you – even we're going to get to Mayor – like in about 30 seconds, but even Scott Wilson fucking has a campaign account. He filed no activity, but at least he's got a campaign account, Richards. Right. You know, right. Right. Uh, so speaking of the mayor, like I said, well, but, but before we oh. pivot, before we pivot guys, I just want to like, just circle back on the sheriff thing, just because like, during Tim Howard's term, it has been such a lightning rod. And obviously we, with the focus on policing and renewed um, with renewed vigor in the public sphere, any of these candidates accepting Falano, but are, are any of these candidates ones that we'd put in the Tim Howard mold? Like, are we going to get another Tim Howard term if one of these Republicans wins or is it, what, what's the vibe from some of these candidates that we're getting? Like, do we know anything about, you know, like, who the hell are these people, basically? I mean, John Garcia and Karen Healy Case are both retired Buffalo police officers. Okay. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know anything about really Garcia other than he's a retired cop, and apparently he's really good at raising money quickly. Yeah, and he's got the endorsement of a, a pro-Second Amendment group called yes, the 1791 Society. Yeah. Uh, he... The reason he's able to loan himself $50,000 is because he runs a pretty successful private security company. Yeah, boy. Uh, I, but about his politics, I know nothing. Mm-hmm. Same with Karen Healy Case. I, uh, I don't really know that much about her, um, frankly. I doubt that either of them is Tim Howard, but, you know, but they may reveal themselves to be. Right. Yeah, I, I guess just like the, for the listeners at home who, you know, see this endless parade of names in the Buffalo News and they're like, who the fuck are these people? And, you know, they know Tim Howard. I know Tim Howard for his tenure as, as sheriff. But I guess it remains to be seen what we're getting for the foreseeable future. So, well, and I, I will tell you that I doubt that, you know, Garcia or Healy case, whichever one ends up becoming the GOP nominee. I got to tell you, I doubt we're going to see much from them in their campaign anyways. They're just going to campaign on being law and order, and Republicans are law and order, and, you know, we'll enforce the laws type of nonsense that, that they will run a, a pretty milk toast, boring campaign um, and just basically play off the fact that they hope that, A, there's no mayor's race in November, to bring out the general electorate in the city and B that white people are afraid of black people. So they'll vote for a white person for sheriff. Yes, but yeah, exactly. I mean, it is worth noting that, that all of these candidates or potential candidates, these names floating around for, for sheriff Democrat and Republican, none of them with the possible exception of Bernie Tolbert, because he ran before, 
has a countywide has countywide name recognition. Right. Not one of them. So, uh, you know, I don't think any of them, with the, again the exception of Steve Filano, who seems exceptional in oh so many ways, <laughs> is going to be saying or doing anything outrageous uh, to to gain attention. Mm-hmm. They're going to be running. Uh, to get their name out there, to distribute the, a very traditional campaign, and hopefully to ride the demographics that help them, as Jim just described, which is, you know, if you're a Republican, hopefully there's nothing going on in the city. And uh, if you're a Democrat, hopefully there is. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's pivot now then to the city and the mayor's race. And I already brought up Scott Wilson, who was, as far as I know, I think he was the first person to announce he was running for mayor. I guess he was because he said he said he was this summer. He said he was going to run, and by golly, he's running. He's got a he's got a campaign committee. He has a no activity statement. Um, Scott Wilson, as you know, uh, also sought to be appointed to the controller's position when his patron Mark Schroeder Mm -hmm. uh, ascended to Albany to become head of the DMV. Um, He. that he had been, I believe, I think he worked on Mark's mayoral campaign as like an so. intern, and then was an intern in the control. He's a young guy. He's yeah, a, yeah he's, he, he's very young. Is he twenty two? Something like that. I, I, I was going to say twenty four, but he might be younger than twenty four. Yeah, I don't really know, but in any case, he he goes around. He he's a nice enough guy, and he goes around like asking uh, elected officials to take pictures with him, and they do because mm-hmm. he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> this clean cut young man just going around <laughs> and saying he's yeah. got endorsed because he like took a picture. That's very funny. Yeah. So I think I think I think we'll see a lot of Scott Wilson running for things in the years to come. Yeah, uh, I, I think I I, <laughs> I, I, th- I think he might be. Uh, what's that generation called? The Xennials? Oh, is that right? Uh, he he might he, he might be their Joe Jarzembek, where he'll, he'll be running every year. <laughs> That may well be. Yeah. Does he have the but same he fashion sense? Early start, much earlier than Joe. <laughs> yeah, he did get a much earlier start than Joe. But uh, uh, so, and then we we mentioned India Walton. Uh, India was a guest on our podcast a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she's ra- she raised a little over eleven thousand dollars in a month. Yes. She's still got almost eight thousand on hand. Thirty three yep. donors, all of them individuals, no corporate donor donations of any kind. You know, it's not enough money, but it's not bad for for a month without fundraisers, without anything, you know. Right. For a, a month without fundraisers with, you know, realistically no name recognition. Yeah. Um, and not, out, not outside the sort of progressive circles in which she works. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, not accepting any corporate donations or or even, you know, and appealing for them to raise you know, and, and have about 8K left on hand after a month is actually relatively impressive. Yeah, and of course, what I'm more impressed with, the money is fine, is that I understand that their volunteer list is now up to 230 people. Right. Which is great. I mean, it's, you know better than I, Jim, having worked on campaigns, what, what how many of that list are likely to be real goers, right? You know, yeah. there's... It's like having like people say they're on Facebook they're coming to your event. Who right. knows? But um, 
but that's a pretty good number. That's, and that's a very good number. People who volunteered because they believe in the candidacy, not because they feel compelled to. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it, she. Well, she's not going to be compelling anybody. I mean, as far as like, yeah. she's. it's not like anybody's job depends on her campaign. No, quite the opposite. People are likely to be punished. Yes. Uh, for for helping her. Yeah. And, and I, I'm just looking at it like I know when we talked to India that she was sort of banking on the national, um, I guess, network of progressive groups and causes to maybe, you know, jump into this race and, and help with funding. What is your guys take on the feasibility of maybe national or outsider groups sorting, uh, sort of helping to give her campaign a little lift here. Well, she did have one uh, out-of-state donations already, um, and she has had. Um, she's got one particular uh, individual who's donated like two grand out of the uh, like eleven grand that she's raised. Um, so she's. I mean, she's got a couple of people who certainly are definitely in her her bat in her corner. Um. We, I guess we'll see if she's able to leverage those national connections like she talked to us about and start raising money. Um, but we won't see that till July. Yeah, we won't see it. We won't see it till she's uh, till she has to file again before the primary. Right before the primary, um, the thirty-two yeah. primary. Yeah. So, so I think. Uh, yeah. Who knows? My guess is that uh, how she does petitioning will tell some of the story about whether those national groups are interested in her, those national groups also have to decide how do they look at this narrative? Byron Brown is the first African-American uh, elected to as mayor of Buffalo. Uh, he's going for his fifth term, however, so he is, you know, he's been there a long time. It, it depends how that narrative is presented. Um, the, India's part of the story is easy. Who she is is an easy sell to those groups. The harder part is to say, well, look at this guy. Look what he's done about or not done about police reform. Look who he really represents. Look who, um, look who has benefited uh, in his tenure as mayor. Um, and tell me that he's a progressive that you guys want to back. Mm -hmm. Why not go with the insurgent? That's probably the narrative they're going to try to frame. But I don't know. Maybe they can't frame it until she's shown that she can get on the ballot. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that you can really show anything until you can get on the ballot, and we'll see. We haven't heard yet if we're going to get like we did last year because right. of COVID. Are is there going to be a reduction in the number of signatures needed to get on the ballot? Um, I mean, that's one of the things I mentioned to India when she was on. Like you know, you talk about she's got this large list of volunteers, and. If you're going to run an insurgent, you know, outsider campaign, generally the way that you do that, besides coming up with some plan to raise money, is by, you know, hitting the bricks, getting on the street, pounding the pavement, and, and getting door to door and, and turning people out. That's awfully hard to do during a uh, pandemic. Yeah. And even when it, even when it's not a pandemic in january and february right it, well yeah yeah i mean that's the 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 change in i understand the change in the primary date to match the federal uh primary but it really hampers 
outsiders and really favors incumbents who have people whose jobs depend upon it to go yeah. out in fucking February when it's 12 degrees outside and go get signatures. Right. Uh, it's awfully hard if you're just volunteering to like somebody enough to go out on the snow. Right. Right. I mean, to her credit, her, her campaign staff or, well, I don't know. I know one member of her campaign staff, but the people involved with her campaign, the people who are excited do seem to have that level of enthusiasm about her. So you're right. It remains to be seen, but I just, I think it is interesting that nobody is compelled. Like you guys said to be doing this. It's all a matter of, Hey, we really like and support and we jive onto her ideas and who she is. So, no, I mean, you're going to see it. Like I, I expect people like Seamus Gallivan to go out and get signatures. Adam Bojack showed last year that he's willing to go out and get signatures in terrible weather because he ran for office himself and came much closer than I think most people gave him a chance at coming in the Democratic primary against John Rivera. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he, yeah, and he did the work of going out and getting signatures, which is not only evidence that uh, that he's willing to put in the work, it means he knows how, right? which, as we learned uh, you know, two years ago, is... That's essential, the knowing how and the not screwing it up. Right. Uh, because that can be really embarrassing and set back your movement a little bit if you, for example, carry the wrong petition form. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Uh, I'm still not over that one. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so let, now let's get to uh, let's, let's get to the mayor. The big kahuna. Uh, he had about 170K on hand. Which is not a lot. Yeah, he's got 170k on hand. That's not really actually a lot of money for him. Four years ago, uh, entering into an election year, he had twice as much. Mm -hmm. uh, four years before that, he had 1.1 million dollars in his January filing. When he ran against uh, Mickey Kearns, he had like 560 thousand. Yeah. I want to say in January. Yes, which is twice as much as Mickey spent in his entire campaign. So, you know, you have a lot of money in January to, as you, as we were pointing out before with the sheriff's race, to say to potential challengers, don't even think about it. Now, the mayor can turn on the faucets, probably, and get a lot of money really quickly. Or maybe he thinks he doesn't need a lot of money because none of these challengers, including India, has institutional support, name recognition, access to a lot of money. Um, but I will say, you know, looking at his January filing, the fundraising is pretty lackluster. Yeah. And that big fundraiser he had in October, everybody there was either a city employee, someone who got their job through his patronage, or someone who has business with the city or is looking to do business with the city. Fully two-thirds of the individual donors listed in this filing are employees. Yeah. Fully two thirds, um, and another like fifth of them are people who represent companies that have contracts now or are looking for approvals for development projects, um, and then the rest are corporations of one kind or another. Mm -hmm. You know, law firms, etc., who well, all have business with the city. Yeah, well, and since that fundraiser in October, he's only had four donations since then. Yeah, which is incredibly light going into an election year. 
It is, and and you know, it's no wonder that that people wonder what, that that whether he's actually going to run because he's not acting like he is, and some of that has to do with the COVID crisis for sure. Uh, you know, it's long been speculated that he would like to be lifted out of this job and and land a you know some sort of plum assignment in albany or dc but that's not going to happen i don't think uh not according to the folks i've talked to who have some inside track on that kind of stuff um that could always turn out not to be true you know i, I think he runs for a fifth term because he's got nowhere else to go and because it looks from his point of view, from his office, it looks easy to do. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I've questioned myself whether or not he's actually going to run. Um, it, it looks like to me a lot, like he's trying to hold off as long as possible to let his, his, his chosen successor announce and deter everybody until that point. Um, but who is that person? Is it Tim Kennedy who we'll get to in a lot? 15 minutes um or is it somebody else and you know they should be out raising money if that's the case unless it's tim kennedy who's got more money than god right tim kennedy has over a million dollars you know and that's what we yeah and and tim kennedy has a million dollars which if he decides to run for mayor just basically scares away everybody right everybody except india walton who won't be scared right um who won't be frightened off because it's not about money yeah, I don't know. That's that's a good point, Jim. It's quite possible that he is just sort of like you know letting the clock tick down. Um, but I don't know. I've what I've been told is that he is indeed going to run. Uh, but of course, I haven't been told that by him. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you know, notably to me, I, in, uh, my math could be wrong, but I think as of this last term, he's got enough time in, in the state retirement system to retire and collect a full pension. Oh, hell yeah. Going back to when he was like a, a, a council aide, right. you know, all that, all that, all those years are, are on, in the state system. Right. I think he'd, I he'll think, do quite fine with the pension. And, you know, right now, if you were to announce, you know, tomorrow that he's not running again. Uh, the one drawback to that is he leaves office with a relatively small uh, balance in his campaign finance account. And you know that uh, that Byron would like to retire with with the same kind of the same range of money that Tony Masiello or Joel Giambra Correct. took with when they went out of office to seed their lobbying careers. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, that's, that's something I still like to check Massiello's campaign account, uh, every now and then when he, he has to file because he still has money in there. Oh, he's got plenty of money in there. Yeah. And he uses, he actually, he actually, he actually uses the money to make more money for the account. Right. It's astonishing. I mean, it used to be fun to go and look at it just to see where he was, where he liked to go in for dinner, <laughs> yeah. you know, where he liked to take people for lunch. But, um, I used to write about that in Art Voice every once in a while. Just like we'll see where Tony is eating, but um, but now, yeah, now he does things like like uh, he actually turns the money into money, so that it, it's prolonging the life of that campaign committee. Mm -hmm. Jeff, you you mentioned something pretty interesting uh, just a couple of minutes ago when you said that uh, Byron's attempts to maybe ascend further up the political ladder 
have sort of petered out. Do you have any insight about that? Like why that might be or what sort of dead ends? Like is the, is the mayorship for Byron, is this going to be the end of the road here for him or, or does he have any kind of juice even to go beyond this? Well, you know, I, I believe that there have been some opportunities for him in Albany before. Uh, some trying to think of what I should say here. So I think that it doesn't. Byron Brown has like been perpetually plagued by accusations of scandal, none of which have ever panned out. Right? He's never. Nothing has ever really been attached to him. We can't honestly say that he is dirty in any way because. One would think that at some point it's been it's, it's been, been it's been long years. enough we that something would have would have shown up by now. Yeah, but the thing is, it's enough that there have been investigations and rumors, not just rumors, but actual honest to god investigations, including we are told by the Buffalo News, a grand jury uh, that some at some point in the last year was looking at issues that attach to the mayor. This has happened before, just around the same kind of time that Byron is up for some kind of, let's call it a promotion. And that has scared away the people who are in a position to promote him. And probably that's what's going to happen now, too. There's been talk of a grand jury. Nobody in Albany, Governor Cuomo, is not going to go anywhere near that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if maybe the people in D.C. have uh, more stomach for that sort of thing. I doubt it, but they also don't care because there are plenty of people who, who they can give jobs to. They don't need to find a reason to give the mayor of Buffalo something. Right. Yeah. I guess I I don't think, I think, I think he's here. And, uh, you know, at one point I think he was interested in a congressional run, but with, uh, with Western New York about to lose a seat, that becomes much more complicated for him. Uh, I don't think, I don't think practically that is something that is in his future now. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, and like we were talking about earlier, like, look, yes, he can turn the faucets on, but most of his fundraising on a regular basis that keeps his campaign account afloat comes from people that he's given jobs to. And you don't give away that many jobs when you're a member of Congress. When you're a member of the legislative branch, you give away a lot fewer jobs than when you're an executive. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, because, like, over this period, now we said he's got 170 k in hand. He raised 158000 this period, but he spent $103,000 of that. Yeah, almost half of that, by the way, on fundraising expenses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. It's a real snake eating its own tail situation. Right. Well, I, I, I do remember when I was first working in politics, uh, Elise Cusack, if you remember her, Jeff. Sure. Uh, which is where Chris Grant got his start. Yeah. Uh, he ran a fundraiser for her where they lost money. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they spent more money. They tried to charge like $100 a head for... Uh, breakfast uh on main street in snyder and they uh they spent more money on the fundraiser and in invitations than they raised in checks remember when i said these people also don't know what they're doing like you don't know what they're doing and neither do they classic uh Amazing. a lot of byron's expenditures uh you know, jeff you and i were talking about this before the show and i i was talking about this with uh ryan and re 
around <laughs> Christmas gifts. Yeah. Yeah, he bought tons and tons of uh, what looked like gift cards, gift certificates to restaurants, right? Yeah. Uh, to pass out to folks, which I will say, fine. That's a fine Christmas present, and it's good for the restaurants that are struggling during this pandemic. Good on them, you know, but it was a lot. Yeah, it was, I mean, that was. I thought the same thing, like, you know, like it was a good way to stimulate a lot of these restaurants. He didn't spend it all at one restaurant, but he spent like a thousand. He spent actually an actual thousand dollars a pop at, at restaurants for like 15 to 20 of them. Now, you know, f- you know if he gets 20, 50 dollar gift certificates for one place, that's one thing. But when you get to like 15 to 20, you're talking about 300 to 400 people that you're giving gift cards out to. That's a lot of gift cards to be handing out. Like, you probably didn't have that many volunteers on your campaign, Byron. No, well, and again, we should we should be careful about using the word volunteers. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's it, it it just like when I when I saw the first one in the campaign finance filing, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've never seen anybody do that before in a campaign finance filing, but. It makes sense to me. It's not a big deal. And then when I saw, like, for another page and a half, it was just Christmas yeah. gifts. I was like, this is, this is getting kind of excessive, Mayor. <laughs> it's a lot of gift cards and people's stockings. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, Unless they're just all in his desk drawer and he hands them out to people as they, as they come to see him. I don't know. Right. You know, we'll have to have him on the pod and see if we can get a gift card. What if they were actual burgers he was giving out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put a actual hamburger. Put a bow on it. Hey, Merry Christmas! Here's mm-hmm. a burger. Well, I mean, at Allen Burger Venture, they've got some rare bourbons and scotches there, oh, so maybe, oh, maybe he just got a bottle yeah. of Pappy Van Winkle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Uh, all right, Jeff. One last thing I want to talk about. It's uh, whenever we do campaign finance, even though it's not an election cycle for him, love looking at Tim Kennedy's cycle uh, filings. Oh my God, he just churns money, right? He it's just. just a- this was a relatively slow cycle for it him. It was a very yeah. slow cycle for him. He only raised uh, t- uh, $10,600 uh, $10, in contributions this cycle, um, which for Tim is, you would think he, you would think he retired. Yeah, it's, it's almost like he took his... I understand that he's got a person in his office who's pretty much committed to fundraising. It's like he told that person, hey, Nice job. Take three months off. Right. You, know? you, you raised me a million dollars in the previous. Um, yeah, I mean, he spent a little over $13,000. Um, so he actually ended up down a little bit, but not much. He still has over a million dollars in the bank. Um, I mean, what is he angling for, Jeff? I mean, it's got to be the mayor's office, right? Like, he doesn't care about county executive. Yeah, I don't think he cares about county executive. It can only be for him, uh, the mayor's office or or the congressional seat, uh, right. which occupied now by Brian Higgins, his original patron in politics. Uh, so it's it's one of those two things. And, you know, Tim Kennedy is the ultimate opportunist. He'll just sort of read the room and figure out which one the Whichever one opens up to him first, he yeah. will jump into. I mean, but although I, on the other hand, there's also this argument. It's quite possible he is rising in the ranks of the state senate. He's proved himself, as we're pointing out right now, a 
a really capable fundraiser, which makes him a very valuable person to other Democrats statewide. Uh, maybe his goal is not the mayor's office or Congress. Maybe his goal is to become, you know, a Senate majority leader, or mm -hmm. maybe he wants to be, you know, the next, the last time we had someone like that in the state Senate was Walter Mahoney, a Republican, who was an immensely powerful man uh, statewide. And maybe Tim Kennedy is thinking, you know, I should stick with this. Mm -hmm. I should stick with this, rise in the ranks, and, be, and wield that kind of power without I mean, the headaches of running a city like Buffalo, which is a disaster. Right. I mean, you know, it's a fiscal disaster right now. I mean, and I, who wants okay. that? I, uh, I mean, I was thinking about like uh, this week after listening to you and Ken Cruley on your podcast and talking about Sean Ryan, right? And Sean, mm -hmm. uh, as you guys talked about, what was it like three hundred fifty thousand dollars he donated back towards uh, the states, uh, the Democratic State Assembly Campaign Committee? Um, I mean, that buys you a lot of influence statewide. And so I was thinking about Tim that way. And I was, so I agree with you. Like he's got a chance to really, if he wants to become like maybe the premier state Senator in New York state, because raising a million, yeah. it, it's not like he's, it, it's not like he represents the lower West side in Manhattan and he raised a million dollars. He represents, right. he represents Buffalo and Chictawaga and he raised a million dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's impressive, and and it could well be. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he keeps to, to the track he's on. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. Go ahead, Ray. Well, I was gonna say, like, we back to back, we talked about Byron, you know, pretty much plateauing basically, and we're now saying like, hey, if you're Tim Kennedy, you probably are more incentivized to have bigger fish to fry with all that money. Like, is this mayor's job? Is it kind of like a for lack of a better term, a dead end job. Like, is it something now where it's not going to really be a launch it wasn't point? For Grover Cleveland. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. Yeah. Grover Cleveland made something of the job, but they, I think he's the last. Yeah, he might be. It's just fascinating to me that we're looking at, and again, like it's a big deal for us in the city. But you know, maybe that's a big part of the reason why we're not seeing all these. You know, other than India Walton, but uh, who we might term as viable contenders for that that mayor's spot, just because it doesn't seem to be the launching point for political fortune that you might want it to be. No, I mean it's it certainly seems to be a launching point for uh, political consulting, I, yeah, right? If you want to be like a Tony Massiello, like kingmaker type. Well, I don't even know that him. He's more of a like a jackmaker than a kingmaker. <laughs> You're uh, right. Uh, I don't know. I think that's, that's all I had. That's that I mean, look, I looked into, I started looking started looking into local races too, but we don't have enough time to go over every single town and village and, and city in the town in Erie County and say, this is what's important. Uh, I'm, I might once July comes around, um, and we've got the primary results in, you know, I might look at, at supervisor races or particularly maybe particularly interesting council races in some of the towns. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to have you back. I, I, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's plan on it. All right. Um, so uh, because, you know, that's when it really gets interesting. Um, you, you don't get a lot of very interesting primaries in the towns. I mean, 
that now that said, you know, Brian Nowak's been on our show and he was an interesting primary about four years ago. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he's more the exception than the rule. Yes. Yeah. Very much the exception. Yeah. We could use more of that (laughs) for sure. Jeff Kelly investigative post. Thank you again for joining us today. Jeff, where can we find your work? You can find it at investigativepost.org. And in fact, this week I've got a column about uh, the mayor's finances. Um, And we also share our stories with Channel 2, WGRZ Channel 2, and uh, occasionally on WNED and on, or I'm sorry, on WBEN and on WBFO. And uh, Jeff, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? At GH Kelly, nineteen sixty nine. Not to give away my age or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the people can find me at James Tamel on Twitter. The real Ryan Steele and Re. Uh, yeah, I'm not giving out my social media, <laughs> but please, listeners, uh, follow at, at Square Pod Buff, right, yeah. Ryan? Yes. And we will, Jeff. We will uh, share your article in Investigative Post, um, folks. Yeah, this is a great vegetables episode. I know that's what you come for. So, you know, sometimes, Jeff, we tell our listeners they come for either the vegetables or the candy. The campaign finance is the vegetables, but it was sweet, sweet, delicious vegetables this week, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Covered in Fantastic. Thanks, Jeff. Well, right, it was thanks, my pleasure Jeff. to be here. Thanks for having me.